are, folks. There are those tones. You know what that means. It's time for Straight Talk today with Father James Gross. Give us a call at 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122. Father, welcome to Straight Talk. Thank you very much, Coach. It's great to hear from you. Good morning to you and to all of our listeners. Good to hear you. And you know, that voice is so smooth. It just, truth be told, let's just get it right off that you've had spent some time in radio, haven't you, Father? Tell our listeners just a little bit about that. Yes, I have. Um, in my undergrad days, when I was uh, in college seminary, I was debating whether or not that was actually the vocation for me, and I was anticipating that if the Lord wasn't calling me to a religious vocation, that I might uh, desire to make a career in radio. So I was a disc jockey in a couple of different venues uh, for several summers. And what I came to understand is that several parts of the business of radio, um, the advertising, the technology and stuff, really weren't up my alley. So I think that was kind of the Lord's way of saying, well, if you're going to be involved in radio, it might be something like this. And providentially, here I am <laughs> hosting occasionally and uh, being able to appear on, on programs in this capacity as well. That's great. We're talking with Father James Gross here on Straight Talk. Of course, we want your calls. We want your questions on Facebook. So give us a call at 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122, or messages, communicate with us on Facebook, and we will get you and your question on the air. Father, what's on your heart? What would you like to start talking about with our listeners today? I think one of the first things to talk about is just to uh, extend our uh, condolences and our concern to the families in uh, Dayton, Ohio, and El Paso, Texas, because of the news that came out last weekend, um, and uh, to try to bring... Um, try to bring a response to what happened there that doesn't immediately devolve into the uh, the polarizing and, and the uh, polemics of uh, the politics and opportunism, but to just say that uh, uh, throughout all of human history, it is necessary for us to um, seek to work against what the devil is trying to sow in the human heart, and that um, uh, Christendom, at its very best, introduces Christ-like virtue not only in an individual's heart, but collectively by the transformation of societies. When you think of uh, people like, St. Stephen of Hungary, for example, uh, those who were real pioneers, you might say, in uh, promoting the, the gospel and uh, Christianity among their people where it had not been planted before, um, whether it be uh, secular heads of state or those who were leaders uh, in the Church and in some capacity, that uh, unless we are willing to return to that value of uh, Christ-like virtue and conversion of heart, then I guess it just feels like we're going to continue to spin our wheels. And um, I think it you know, takes a lot of courage uh, to, to say things like that, but I think it needs to be said. So true. Talking with Father James Gross here on Straight Talk. Again, give us a call, 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. Or message us on Facebook. You know, Father, you mentioned St. Stephen of Hungary. Interestingly enough, my wife and I were just there at the cathedral 
this this last May, and of course the story of Saint Stephen is amazing. How you know how he gave and what a peaceful person he was. Um, you know, the Catholic bishops also put something out. One one uh, phrase they said was uh, we need to look at national policy as well as our national culture. You know, and people tend to think, oh, what can I do? What can I do? And you know, as you said, we don't want to get into polemics and the polarization. But whenever there's a difficult time going on, something difficult going on, my wife always reminds me, Tim, look at yourself. You know, for, for years I was trying to fix this and that and the other thing. And really the best thing we can do really, right, is look at ourselves. For instance, if I'm angry at a neighbor if, or if I'm holding a grudge or if I'm, you know, doing, haven't forgiven or whatever it is, I'm adding to that culture of distrust that culture of you know violence against people at least you know in some way so maybe talk for a minute father about what we can do in our own little world in our conscience and in our lives to really make sure we're bringing forth this culture where every human being is respected yeah definitely um i think about how at least in a a personal matter we can work against the tendencies toward uh crudeness uh craftness um and a, a cheapening of the quality of life, a, a diminishing of life. If we retreat into our collective bunkers, so to speak, we are not uh, dealing with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. So, yeah, certainly I think, I think that that's an additional dynamic that's at play. Wonderful. Again, we're talking with Father James Gross. Give us a call at 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122. I'm going to pivot just a little bit here, Father. Maybe bring us into the readings for the day. You know, a lot of people think in this day and age, I mean, I go back to the Las Vegas shooting. You know, more people are affected than just the families of those shot and injured, right? 22,000 people witnessed and went through that terrible, ter- terrible event, you know. So it, it has repercussions right beyond that. Well, if you look, for instance, a reading from Numbers, you know, uh, the people going in to, to scout the land, right, the promised land, you know, they could have had it 38, 40 years earlier. They go in. They say, yes, it's flowing with milk and honey, but there are these giants. We can't take the land. Basically mistrusting God. Only Joshua and Caleb, right, say, okay, we can do this, right? And then pivoting to the gospel, it's a Canaanite woman. They're not even supposed to have faith. You look at her faith. So so maybe a few words about what can we do here relying on God, our faith, uh, even if the situation seems downright impossible. Right. Uh, as I was thinking about that, I'm going to be, when I take my leave of you later this morning, I'll be celebrating Mass at uh, an assisted living facility. So uh, reviewing the readings uh, coming up today, and, and over the last few days, we've been looking at the latter parts of the Exodus journey, and we're, now we're in, in the Book of Numbers, when it seems like everybody's nerves are being frayed, you know, to the to the very end, whether it be Moses and Aaron or uh, various others, you know, uh, leaders of the community. Uh, one of the things that came to my mind, you know, that uh, today's reading from the Book of Numbers represents with the uh, reaction of the people of Israel to the reports of the, of the scouts using that great uh, archaic uh, English term, reconnoitering the land of Canaan, right? <laughs> yes, but, exactly. Um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, um, without, the, uh, without the intervention of God and the intervention of divine grace, uh, molehills can look like mountains. Um, and uh, to try to uh, to try to keep a, a proper perspective, uh, what Caleb was saying, you know, we certainly should enter in because you know the Lord will will be on our side. He's not on you know our enemy side. That sort of thing. It's not a pie in the sky uh, sort of position. It's not this um, you know empty idealism. And 
if we if we have the the perspective, if we are able to see uh, things that we face with uh, the eyes, you might say, uh, of the Holy Spirit, even if it's some sort of uh, challenge in our lives, uh, I think psychologically sometimes we lean upon making those things more uh, daunting than perhaps they they truly are, you know. And then uh, in, in the gospel reading with uh, the Canaanite woman, there's a sort of uh, rhetorical dance back and forth going on where Jesus is, in a sense, testing her by saying the kinds of things that others would uh, rather crassly say to her, you know, that we cannot give food of the children to the dogs and things like that. And, and she basically stands her ground by saying, listen, both you and I know that that is rubbish, and that uh, if we can just move beyond those sorts of ugly stereotypes and see, you know, the reality of the matter that uh, my daughter, you know, or my child is is one of God's children, too, uh, regardless of my ethnic bloodline, and that, you know, I am placing my faith in you to be able to help me, and shouldn't that be what, shouldn't that be what matters? Um, so... We hold up this, I guess you might say, unlikely heroine in the Canaanite woman uh, to remind us of the power of God to intervene in our lives by uh, expressing faith in Him. Now, that that is not to suggest some sort of simple, you know, prosperity gospel formula that you, you do A, B, and C, and you can expect C, you know, to come along in terms of the rewards, but. Uh, to to place our faith in God rather than to conclude that all is lost before uh, before it even begins. Right, we're talking with Father James Gross here on Straight Talk. Would love to hear from you at eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. As you were talking there, Father, I thought you know what a perfect tie-in to what you, we talked about right at the top because Jesus breaks down these cultural, religious, ethnic barriers. Right? I mean, the Samaritan woman, right? The Canaanite woman, you know, and, and he and he upbraids Israel, who's supposed to have faith, right, for their lack of faith. And so, in our day and age, with you know the the struggles we see in our country and other countries with the religious, the ethnic, the cultural differences, Jesus really obviously stood at the forefront of saying, hey, you are all human beings and you're all made by God, right? Yeah, you know, rather than to um, take as a default position this uh, general de- uh, demonization of the other, one of the, one of the settings in which I really have experienced powerfully an antidote to those sorts of things, uh, whatever you want to call it, just kind of an irrational uh, tribalism or uh, bigotry or that sort of thing, uh, has been with regard to liturgies that I've attended at the World Youth Days that I've participated mm. in, whether it be uh, as a seminarian in Denver in 1993 or as a priest in uh, uh, subsequent World Youth Days, when you are shoulder to shoulder with people who couldn't possibly be more different from you, you might say, in terms of uh, the way of life that they live in their homeland and things like that. But it is uh, the person of Jesus and his incorporating us as members into his body that can overcome all of that, so that I'm not just just regressing to, you know, tired tropes of, you are fill-in-the-blank, so that means you must be fill in the blank, you know, and uh, the Canaanite woman in today's Gospel, we can imagine throughout a great part of her life how she had to deal with that of people who wouldn't even consider getting to know her for who she is, but just, you know, attached a label to her, and uh, just the, 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 
the injustice of it all, really. Mm-hmm. So true. Boy, I tell you what, that's, that's just good stuff, Father. We're talking about Father James Gross here on uh, Straight Talk. Love to uh, hear your questions at 877-795-0122, uh, Got a listener question online here, Father. So we just talked with someone from the Great Plains Food Bank about meeting the needs of hunger in our local communities. Is there something to be said about remembering the mission territory in our own country? It seems like people are quick to run to other countries on mission trips, and that's not bad. But is there a balance? We have a mission field right here in our own backyard in many ways, don't we, Father? Indeed, and I think the best uh, answer to that uh, concern that's mentioned there in the question is to try to approach it with a both-and principle as much as possible. Um, In terms of the official uh, assistance that the Church gives, there's an organization called Catholic Relief Services that turns its eye to other nations, uh, developing countries, and trying to provide some of the most basic needs for the people who are there. Um, definitely that's an important thing. People often hear about that uh, agency with the Lent uh, Operation Rice Bowl program that is done every year. In addition to that, domestically, uh, a couple of things I think of in particular, uh, Catholic Charities in the various dioceses in the United States, they are the ones who step up. Uh, for example, with all the flooding in the springtime in Nebraska, or you know, various things like that, whenever there are natural disasters, other sorts of things like that, that is uh, an entity that really seeks to serve that. Also, there is a, um, through the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, a Committee on the Home Missions. And there are certainly a number of dioceses throughout the country that are uh, mission territory, for lack of a better word, insofar as um, not all of their parishes are self-sustaining because of uh, socioeconomic um, circumstances or um, uh, sparseness of population. Uh, They are not able to pay all of their own bills in order to carry out the practical concerns of ministry. So in the Diocese of Fargo, at least I believe in late April every year, We uh, participate in a national appeal for that committee uh, on the home missions. Uh, The Extension Society, Catholic Extension Society of the United States, uh, pairs with that very same intention. Um, So I think it's good to to be aware of those things um, and to try to to bring them in, and personally as a household, to try to remember them and to, you know, support where we can in a measure that... uh, you know, is in accord with one's conscience. So true. We're talking with Father James Gross here on Straight Talk. Love to hear from you. Uh, 877-795-0122. You can also message us on Facebook. You can see Father just addressed the uh, question from someone online and uh, did it obviously very, very well. Um, Father, you know, I, I, I can't help but think about how the family is the domestic church, you know, and I think about growing up. Um, we learned lots of these types of attitudes, these types of principles in the family. Maybe just a, a remark or two and encouraging parents and, and families about how they can really start at home and how we can think of how we want our kids to live and how we want them to respect each other and give of themselves. Yes, uh, the first thing I think of is with regard to catechesis and the training of young people in the faith that uh, every parish and staff will tell uh, parents that they are the primary educators, uh, as in the rite of baptism, it mentions that 
with regard to the uh, parents and the blessing at the end of the baptism ceremony that they have a uh, you know, they have a principal uh, role as far as that goes and and what we can do on the parish level is supplement that and in a more I guess intensive way for sacramental preparation various things like that but uh, when I think of the life of the domestic church in the family. Uh, certainly with regard to spirituality, uh, taking time to pray, uh, to be fed, um, in, not only in body and mind, but also in soul. And also, um, for those of us with a rural background, uh, I think we may remember that there were times where a neighboring farmer in our uh, township or our uh, community or county had a sudden you know, critical health uh, issue, and all of a sudden a number of the neighbors got together to help uh, with uh, bringing in the harvest or putting in the crop or various sorts of things like that. So as a family, people can uh, extend their gaze outside of one another. And uh, for example, I've got this activity, I've got that, you know, duty, we're, we're doing this just as a, a nuclear family unit, and to look at uh, uh, the wider communitarian uh, opportunities that exist, too, those principles of uh, de- defining the need you know, that exists, uh, or, you know, benefits for people who are in uh, particularly uh, difficult circumstances. It is within the family that those kinds of lessons are learned, so that as children grow up, they themselves as adults will be inclined to do the same thing. Mm, so true. Talk with Father James Gross here on Straight Talk, 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122, or message us on Facebook. You know, as you're going through talking, Father, I can't remember the paragraph in the Catechism, but I remember this quote from St. John Chrysostom, which just totally struck me when I read it a couple of years ago. It says, to not give someone their due, as in food, you know, if someone that's hungry or, or needy, clothing, all these kind of things, right, Matthew 25, he says it actually be stealing from them, because those are basic rights and needs, and that kind of hit me, it's like, wow, that that's that's mm-hmm. hard-hitting, but, but it has a great impact. Indeed, um, in addition to that, uh, last week, I believe it was, there was a series of readings in the office, readings of the um, Divine Office that uh, we as uh, priests and consecrated religious are asked to pray on behalf of the Church that uh, coincided with that passage from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, where he talks about a collection that he's taking up for another one of the churches and the, the need to um, uh, to be generous. And, and there are some hard-hitting uh, statements in some of those readings. I think it was St. Uh, Cesarius uh, of Arles who said something like, it baffles me that you have the impudence to deny to others what you yourself ask for from God. And uh, what he's talking about there is that disconnect, where we are so ready and willing to receive things that we think we need that God can give us, but then once we have them, we act as though they only belong to us, and that we are not uh, stewards, uh, you know, as though we were the ultimate owners, and are unwilling to, to share with those around us. You know, it also brings up that point of uh, the Gospel parable from Matthew, I believe, chapter 18, where uh, a man was very much in debt and was about to be thrown in prison with his family, and he begged for mercy from the uh, uh, from, from the superior, who forgave the debt and uh, granted it. But then when he turned to a fellow servant who owed him a fraction of what he himself owed, he, you know, had no room in his heart for, for mercy or, or accommodating him. So there has to be a consistency in our moral outlook. 
Absolutely. We're talking with Father James Gross, learning a lot of great stuff here on Straight Talk. You can join in at 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122, or message us on Facebook. You know, Father, we talked about you know raising the family, the catechesis, that the opportunities to give. One of the things that really touches my heart is when I see... Uh, volunteerism. You know, you see it, especially coming out starting in junior high. I love junior high kids, right? You've worked with them before. They're so idealistic, right? Oh, we're going to do this, this. I love that, right? That enthusiasm through the high school age, through college. I work with a lot of college age now. But that sense of going beyond self and volunteering. And of course, as a priest, you know as yourself, your parish would not function without volunteers. Maybe talk a little bit about volunteering, not only in the church, but in the community as well, and the great benefits there are personally and for the community. That's exactly right. Over a wide span of ages, um, in the parish that I currently serve, one of the things that we're continually talking about, and perhaps more so in the past, was how to engage in a more active way in leadership roles, uh, those of my generation, whereas uh, the older generation have been uh, holding down the fort, you might say, for the last decade or two, and to try to encourage that um, as a means of relying on one another's talents and supplying one another's talents rather than to just uh, uh, exist in a sort of cocoon that is uh, heedless of the good that can be done and the needs that exist within the parish and within the wider community. Um, I've seen a lot of different ways that uh, volunteerism really enriches people. And uh, one of the things I was thinking of is you were talking about young people, especially uh, uh, middle schoolers. It can be it can be a very awkward age. I have a, a real <laughs> empathy for them because there, there are parts of them that want to be grown up, but there are other parts of them that are very much still, you know, little kids in a sense. And, and they're just kind of all over the place. So um, by uh, engaging in um, uh, engaging in beneficial volunteer activities, I think it can uh, help to take their minds off of that awkwardness and not be so discouraged about you know kind of the already but not yet mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. uh, status of, of yes. life and, and adolescence where they're just thinking about the things that they wish they couldn't wish they could do but are not yet able to do and, and that sort of thing and, and to engage their energy and their uh, compassion in, uh, in, in positive outlets. Absolutely. Talking with Father James Gross on this. That, that's so true. I'm just laughing and nodding as you're saying all those things, Father, because I'm actually teaching a class at Concordia this fall on how to teach middle schoolers and everything you said about the adolescents, you know, already but not yet, you know, what's going on with me, you know, I'm changing, they're changing, you know, it, it's it's so good, right? I, I love that. Yeah. So, again, yeah, join... the, feet, the feet are full size, but the voice is not, and, you know, all sorts of other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it isn't that true. That, that That's exactly right. You're listening to Straight Talk here with Father James Gross, 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122, or you can message us on Facebook. Uh, again, we'll, we'll get you on. We have about five minutes left or so, and Father James Gross is doing a wonderful job for us here. And uh, we, we just want to thank you. And again, if you want to join in, 877-795-0122. You can give us a call. We actually have... Okay. Uh, again, give us a call at 877-795-0122 if, if you want to join in. Father, maybe just quickly, growing up, what were some of the opportunities you had to volunteer and give to others that really made an impact with you? 
Personally, uh, one of the first things that I remember in the community that I grew up in in Napoleon is that um, our Knights of Columbus Council was fairly active, and then there was a junior branch of the Knights of Columbus called the Columbian Squires, and uh, you could be a squire uh, as a um, you know junior, senior, high. Beg your pardon. Uh, go ahead. Do you just keep on going? Okay. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, I'm sorry, uh, in the junior high to senior high ages. And one of the main things that we would do is to help serve for uh, large community uh, banquets and events, uh, like the annual um, fundraising fireman's ball or, you know, ambulance uh, dinner, various things like that, large wedding receptions, perhaps, things like that. And uh, with them, a little bit of the remuneration that we would be given uh, we could decide what to do with that. Of course, uh, a portion of it would go to um, a, a day on the town going out to uh, Bismarck for a pizza and a movie or that sort of thing. But um, with regard to the, the activities that we were doing within that group, um, it really comes down to uh, identifying places where we can be of meaningful service to others and to take that opportunity rather than to... Um, just to, to just to be disengaged. So that's one of the um, kind of the heartwarming memories that I carry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was from a, you might say, from a previous generation. Sure. Um, there weren't nearly as many other sorts of um, uh, activities, whether it be school extracurricular right. or other things that one could one could participate in, you know, back in the uh, late 70s and 80s. Exactly. But um, that, was, that, was, that was a stalwart, at least for... For, for a nucleus of us uh, uh, German from Russia farm boys <laughs> <Napoleon>. <laughs> Exactly, Father. Wonderful. Father, we have a phone call, actually. Uh, Tony from Fargo. Tony, what's your question for Father? Good morning, Father. Good morning. Hi. I have a question um, about the use of the Baltimore Catechism in catechesis. Uh, if that still has mm-hmm. a place in the use of catechesis or what your input is on that. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on using the Baltimore Catechism in catechesis? Great. Well, the first thing that I would say is that uh, in a particular diocese, uh, one needs to pay close attention uh, to follow in obedience the recommendations of the bishop and uh, those who are assisting him. So in the various offices, if there are certain textbooks that they want to use as a standardized uh, sense, you know, within the... uh, uh, public school religion uh, curriculum. Uh, that's something that uh, would not uh, that that ought not to be set aside. Uh, that being said, I could imagine numerous other settings, particularly uh, homeschooling families and such, um, who would want to uh, turn to the Baltimore Catechism. I think it it is good for what it does. Um, it is very accessible and uh, gives um, simple and direct and straightforward answers. And it gives some pretty good analogies. One of them that I particularly remember that uh, sticks with me is that, um, and, and I don't I don't remember when I first saw this, but it was something that I thought was a very memorable analogy. They were talking about how if someone deliberately withholds a sin of which they are aware in confession, that that is sacrilege and that uh, their sins are not forgiven. Um, so, you know, little Johnny is walking along, he's carrying three boxes. And uh, he's on his way into the confessional, meaning that you know he has uh, two sins, to con- three sins to confess. Uh, he, he he confesses two of them, but he kept, keeps the third one uh, concealed from the priest. And the very next panel of the comic strip, you might say, shows um, a rather um, 
uh, disconsolate and sullen-faced uh, Johnny walking out of the confessional carrying four boxes, because not only did he have the three, but then he uh, added another one on top. So uh, the Baltimore Catechism, as a peda- uh, pedantic uh, instrument, really had an effective way to, to get a lot of those uh, lessons across. Um, I would say what I would recommend is, you know, the supplementation of that with, with other things, uh, rather than to just claim in an arrogant sense that because it was uh, treasured by, you know, uh, a past generation that it is no longer useful for us. I, I think it represents uh, the Baltimore Catechism and resources similar to those represent uh, a method that was you know, a lot more in vogue, you might say, uh, back in its day. That's not to say that it's completely obsolete, but I would think of it as one resource to kind of sprinkle in throughout the course of the course of uh, one's, um, uh, you know, classroom uh, experience. Tony, does that help? Yep, it sure does. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for your call. Well, Father... Thank uh, you. I tell you what, Father, it's amazing. We only have about 30 seconds left. Anything else you'd like to let our listeners know before we have to go? Well, I just want to uh, assure especially our, our farm and ranch families of, uh, uh, of my prayers and, and blessings as harvest is soon to begin, and that uh, there will be protection from severe and damaging storms. We had some wonderful rain come through last night in Grand Forks without uh, any hail or other sorts of damaging things. So... Well, let's pray for them as well. All right. Thanks so much, Father James Gross, for Straight Talk. You can hear it every day at 930 Central, every Monday through Friday.